G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures, where we chat fishing, boating and the great outdoors, all thanks to our good friends at Club Marine. My name is Aaron Habgood and Patrick Dangerfield today has decided that he actually wants to uh, join his own show for once, which is uh, which is nice to see, but he is sitting at a place that you would rather be right now and I'm not going to announce where he is, I'm going to let him do it in a minute or two. Good morning, Patrick. Morning, Redmond. Yes, apologies. I had assumed that I'd have slightly better reception than what I've got currently, so I ended up having to dial into uh, your show this morning, so thanks for having me. Good to be finally back on. Well, I really want to talk about where you are, what you're doing, and the fishing that you have been doing and going to be doing in a very short time, but something that uh, I wanted to discuss with you about, and something that really excited me regarding, obviously, I'm getting a new boat in the near future, uh, 650 hardtop, and you've got the 750 hardtop North Bank. Mercury have just released last week their new 5.7 V10, 350 horsepower and 400 horsepower Verado engine, which weighs in only at 316 kilo. It's the quietest engine they have ever delivered. My question to you, 750 owner, two 200s on the back, would you consider just getting a single engine? Well, it's an interesting one because both you and I, we've taken a upcoming 750 North Bank, when was it, 2017, I reckon, 2018. We went up to Cairns that long ago. with <laughs> a 350 Ferrado. Yeah, it was a while ago now. With a 350 Ferrado, now that did, on memory, I reckon that was 43 knots. Yep. And this is obviously newer technology. And we loved the 350. It performed faultlessly. You've obviously got lower running costs because you're not having to insure twin outboards, servicing costs, all those sorts of things. So I think it's a really, it's not a bad proposition. And, and with the size of the 750, you're probably going to look at something like trim tabs anyway. So when it comes to trimming, plus you've got active trim on, on, you know, new Mercs now anyway. It's a really solid option, I think. So um, I think both those motors hit the Australian market really well, um, especially given the fact that we just don't have those, you know, enormous, matchy, trailable 30-odd foot boats like they like they do in the States that run quad and uh, quadruple outboards. You know, we've got that smaller size boat, and I think this sort of, that you know hits that mark perfectly. It's uh, it's very exciting. Mercury obviously leading the way uh, at the moment with all new technology and whatnot. I've got the new, I've got the DTS controls with all the new active trim and does it all itself. I have actually haven't even used it yet, and I've had, done thirty hours on the engine. I keep saying I'm going to play with it, but the active trim is a terrific uh, initiative to 
to, to, to new people getting in, on the boat, in boats on the water because it does all the work for you. What it is, well, just while you mention it, Pat, what it does, it just basically trims the boat to get the back maximum performance out of, out of your, I guess, fuel economy, the performance of the hull, riding good, everything. It does it all for you without you actually having to do anything. So a new, a new anyone that's new getting into the game wants to learn how to do it or, I guess, feel how it, does, how it sits right to get their fuel so they can do it themselves, Active Trim is a great initiative that Mercury has put on their engines. And you must have read the run sheet, which I know you didn't. Seakeeper have released, Patrick, their own version of <laughs> Trim Tabs. Uh, they reckon that it predicts the fall of the boat and eliminates the move with a move before you can actually feel anything with no buttons being pushed so what i mean by that if you're gonna pitch and roll you can it actually eliminates it before like it before you fall into that i guess pitch or broaching sort of method it trim tabs activate itself correct what you're doing and they are made up to boats to 60 foot uh 20 sorry i just lied to you 26 foot 26 to 30 foot 31 to 35 foot and they believe that it gets rid of 61 percent of roll and up to 75% of the pitch, which is what I just mentioned before. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, and for those people unaware of the Seakeeper brand, they're, of course, um, I suppose, most well-known for their gyroscopic uh, mm. technology. and the, the thing that works, that you know, should we, work, that does work. <laughs> correct, and we, we had, you know, first-hand showing at the, the Melbourne Boat Show with that technology and, and how it just eliminates the roll out of a boat, which is, as you said, Redmond, it, it is quite extraordinary in itself. So uh, a progression along those lines, how do you predict the roll of a swell? Well, I'm not <laughs> sure you – that's interesting in itself, but I suppose that's what the gyroscope does, doesn't it? Like really, yeah, it predicts uh, it with the, blows me with the counterweight that rolls. So it genuinely blows me um, away. I've got no other explanation other than the fact that it, it blows you away. Like it, I, I'm trying to drive boats out there. I can see what's coming. I can predict what's coming. As and I feel like I've got a, enough experience to say that I can predict what's going on, and I still can't predict what's going on. I don't know how these how these things work. Well, I think one of these good for is the consumer because the more. more options that we have as consumers the price comes down because there's there's greater availability yep. so all these manufacturers are fighting for your you know work they're fighting for your jobs they're fighting for um your purchasing so i think it's a great thing to keep a really well-established brand in the market um as we know mercury is and there's others as well so uh technology continues to grow redmond now for the exciting bit of the show, Patrick, you've jumped on a plane again. I mean, you only spent three weeks up at, uh, in America at Harvard, then you got home and decided that you wanted to go on another little holiday with the family this time around. Where are you? What have you been doing? And uh, how's the wind been? <laughs> uh, I did. Well, it's been organised for a while. So uh, long story short, I'm in Norfolk Island at the moment. Now, Norfolk Island, for those unaware, Mutiny on the Bounty. The Bounty was a uh, was a ship, and essentially it was a it was a penal colony. You know, some you know a few hundred years ago, uh, and eventually it's become a 
uh, fishing mecca essentially because it is pretty much splitting the difference between Australia and Fiji. So it's, a, it's an incredible place. The biodiversity is fascinating, uh, but the fishing is insane. And that is pretty simply because there's just so few people here. So there's, I think, roughly 2,000 people call Norfolk Island home. Uh, and there's obviously a, a transient population of tourists that come and go. Uh, it is windy. But the fishing, like the elephant tuna at the start of the week were sensational and we sashimi those straight away. Uh, the kingfish in shallow waters and around rocks, like you, you know, you're, you're ripping those poppers in and you're seeing these kingfish just absolutely annihilated at the surface. There's nothing sort of quite like that that prepares you for it. That being said, Redmond, it has been windy. <laughs> well, you don't. You're actually near New Zealand as well, which we should never forget. New Zealand because that there, the kingfish capital, and that's the waters that you, you you're sort of fishing out there. Because you're in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Now, how do people actually get onto the island? Because it's a lot of islands around Australia these days that you sort of need permits for, and you need to, I guess, uh, contact to make sure that you can get on. And Lord, how island only a certain amount of people allowed on it. Is it the same for Norfolk? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So you do have to go through uh, Australian Border Patrol, even though it is Australia. You still have to go through that um, border security. So flying from Melbourne, we flew via Sydney once again through international, even though it is you know essentially Australia, uh, and then it's a Qantas plane uh, on to Norfolk. So you, you spot on when you mention. New Zealand, they reckon it was either settled by East Polynesians or um, New Zealanders in the sort of 14th, 15th century. And there's sort of been people that have come and gone, um, you know, ever since uh, and, and settled at different stages. Uh, they reckon that the first known European side of the island in the 1700s, late 1700s, which would have been James Cook. So uh, it's a Really interesting and historical place. It's actually got the oldest government house in Australia. So we met the yeah, met the governor early in, earlier in the week, which was which is great. So it's a fascinating little town, and you would love it, Redmond, because there's just not that many people here. Yeah, when you, you drive around the island, there's no uh, the the roads are, are pretty simplistic. The speed limit's fifty, and <laughs> there's plenty of kids riding mud the bike on all roads and um, the local law enforcement, it's safe to say, pretty relaxed. Something that you and I always recommend on this show, we've been doing it since day dot, and that's, I guess, getting in contact with someone in an area, whether it's going to a tackle store and speaking to, a, uh, uh, I guess, a local or giving a guide a call, someone like me down here, uh, just not wasting your time and, I guess, uh, getting the most out of where you're actually travelling to and getting your money's worth, especially on the fishing side of things because fishing can be very challenging, especially when you're new to the area. Who are you fishing with? What have you been doing? And uh, boat fishing, you mentioned a bit of fly fishing off the rocks. Who's taking you and how did you know where to go? Yeah, so Scotty Greenwood runs a charter on the island. There's a few different charter operators, but uh, I've been out with, Got and it's really, really interesting. So there's no there's no boat ramps on the island. So the boats are lowered via uh, cranes into the water. 
hopefully a little bit neater that's than the Cape Cliff Harbour. <laughs> I, think, I think they might be. Um, so, yeah, boats are, uh, are lowered into the water in that respect and, and Scotty's got him, he's got a, uh, an old shark cat, an absolute ripper. Um, and depending on the weather depends on what side of the island, you know, what direction the wind's coming from. Depends where the, the boys lower the, uh, the boats down. So, um, he was terrific, really interesting guy. Um, and then I was also lucky enough to, to head out with, uh, one of the other locals, Tommy, who's a, he's a hawk's porter, but, um, Don't hold he's, against him. he's a king fisherman of, He's a king fisherman of Norfolk Island, uh, but at the moment, like there's a couple of you know beautiful eating species. One of them is the trumpeter, yes. but it's the time of the year, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, a scientific sort of measurement, Redmond. But you can have one tub of trumpeter at the moment. <laughs> I'm not sure of the size. Well, that's of the actually tub, the, that's, the, that's one the rule. tub of trumpeter. That's unbelievable. That's fantastic. Yeah, does it vary? Does sub, uh, tub size vary, or you just bring your own tub? <laughs> uh, I, I reckon it's open to interpretation, like a lot of things <laughs> on the island. Um, but oh, they're like a beautiful place. eating fish. We actually had them, <laughs> had them earlier in the week, and it was beautiful. But it, the yellowtail king, uh, the yellowtail tuna, and the, and the kingies at the moment are sort of what's got everyone exciting. Now you uh, the you, the place for actually staying into is fascinating in itself, Redmond. Well, that was going to be my next question because you did mention it's the place that I would uh, I would like to go to, and we'll go with unfortunately. Unfortunately, I got a partner and two kids, and I have to bring them along half the time. Where are you staying? Is it kid friendly? Take us through that because you've got a couple of well, three now. I shouldn't say a couple. You got three running around the running around the beaches now. Uh, is it kids friendly? Uh, absolutely, the island is absolutely kid friendly. Like, I was actually surprised how many how many kids there are. Yep. Driving past the the school, which is P to twelve, there'd be you know well over a hundred kids. Mm. Uh, but we're actually staying uh, at a friend's place called Foot North, and it sits on a cliff. Now, have you ever had uh, Emma and Tom's the juice? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> You have? You, yeah. you familiar with that? No, yes, I have. It's a pressed, like it? pressed juice. I've actually had the green one, which was not too bad. And there's one that looks a little bit like poo. Yes. Yep. Tastes bloody <laughs> terrific. Tastes terrific. Well, so, exactly. So, so Michael, who uh, owns Emma and Tom's, he's got, uh, he, he's bought this place and has been slowly redoing it. Now, it's, it is eclectic, but it is incredible in a sense. It's like a, a small mini hotel on a cliff, and he actually he started to to air Airbnb it out. So we've uh, come over, and and it's an incredible place to stay because it's enormous. It sits on a cliff, and it um, it overlooks the the ocean. There's pool. There's, there's like it's perfect. Patrick, in Patrick, the, Patrick, in the Patrick, Patrick. If you were to one bring of my, one of my questions was, is it kid friendly? And all I'm hearing is <laughs> an Airbnb on a cliff. <laughs> okay, you got me there. But there is balustrading, so the kids are not going to fall right. off a cliff. But it's it's set up for multi generational families, so you could bring three or four families here really quite comfortably and be so well housed. Uh, 
and because it's an island, you can pretty much you know walk to most places. Lone Pine, which is obviously quite famous, uh, is an easy stroll away. There's great swimming. There's coral reefs. Uh, it's a really family friendly place. Well, before we let you go, because we could talk about Norfolk Island all day, when are you actually back? That's a genuine question from myself, so I know what's going on next week. And what do you got planned for the rest of the time? <laughs> that, the rest of the time that you're there. Uh, well, I'm back uh, on deck as of Sunday, Redmond. So right, that helps. Um, okay. Normality for, for you and I. Yep. Pre-season training, of course, returns. Seen plenty of uh, plenty of players returning to pre-season training early. Good on them. But fish, fish, um, I fished no, with, uh, Brad, fish with Brad, um, Brad Close last week, and I really helped with his uh, with his weight loss program. Uh, had him spewing for. I think two hours. Which uh, so when he gets there and he wins the fin- skinfold test, you can thank none other than myself. Oh, that's fantastic! Did you get any <laughs> photos of him? Because they're always things. Well, I actually that, didn't. That go go well. I wish I had of. I wish I had of. Well, there are always things that go pretty well in the team meetings. Like that's one thing that we really enjoy when someone finds himself, you know, in an unfortunate position. It's a good time to get a photo. I'm uh, I'm very good at uh, destroying cats footballers on boats. Well, actually, footballers in general. I've taken a few out that have got crook in, in a stay. <laughs> Patrick, I'm going to have to let you go. Here. We're running out of time. Brad Close can't. Uh, we come out in the ocean. He can't handle it. So he's crook from the cats. So that's a weakness for another team. Take him out fishing the day before a game. Patrick, thank you for joining us from Norfolk Island. You and I will be back in the studio next week. Thank you, mate. For making time you're probably in a small little place there with kids jumping all over you so thank you very much you are listening to for two real adventures for club marine get flexible cover for your jet ski boat motor trailer and gear all in one place clubmarine.com.au we'll see you after the break you're listening to real adventures for club marine get peace of mind with club marine boat insurance Welcome back to Real Adventures, and uh, Pat's actually had to bail again because that service was not doing us any favours while he was out on Norfolk Island. So I'm going to handle the whip around and the social club myself, which isn't an issue whatsoever. And like I said before, it is now time for the whip around, thanks to Club Marine. And I'm just going to give you a little wrap-up of what I've been up to this past week other than blowing away with the wind. We had some pretty bad wind at the start of the week, which fired things up nicely for the snapper. On that moon, new moon, the fish went really, really well, both in the morning and afternoon, like we always talk about. All of Port Phillip Bay, Western Port, fishing very, very good for snapper. You've got your Altona area in Port Phillip, Clifton Springs. You've got your Black Rock, Caram area, Patterson River, right down to Mornington. It's all fishing fantastic. The charter boats now, they're doing really well. They're getting a lot of their pretty much bag limit captures on every single trip all through throughout the bay, like I suggested before. So make sure if you're after a snapper, get out there, use your sonar, mark up some fish, fish them, I guess, try and aim for a tide change into a bite time. So uh, sunrise, sunset is the ideal time. I, I headed out during the week, tried during the day, did okay, but those morning and afternoons definitely when they're when they're starting to feed a lot better. The whiting in both bays are going really, really well too. We had Lee Rayner on last week who suggested Western Port. So if you do want to listen to any of our shows, make sure you download our Real Ventures app and check out our podcast. And you can listen to last week's show or any of the ones before that too. 
Whiting and Port Phillip going well as well. I did really well on them. I think it was on Thursday. No, yeah, Wednesday, sorry. Wednesday did really well on those. They went good on those. Even the slow tyres, just the swell was cranking. So the water was dirty and the fish went really, really good too. Gummies, they're going good throughout the bay. They get left behind every single year this time of the year. So make sure you do target a gummy if you want to feed a flake. Offshore's a bit hard. Uh, we might might be able to sneak out. It has settled a bit, but it's it's pretty ordinary offshore with that leftover swell that's been around and that wind. We had one day of northerly, obviously, today, and that's pretty much it. So make sure you... Just be smart. Make sure you fish the conditions. So whether it's the northerly winds get offshore or the southwest winds, the snapper in the bay is ideal. We are going to head into the new south of the Wales. Uh, Yellowfin again off Burmy, up to 50 kilo on the trawl. Uh, out wide, 500 fathoms of water near the Bunya Canyons. That's fishing very, very good for those who do want to target those. And all our report this week, I've kept it straight pretty much out of Bermagui because some really exciting stuff. The snapper at Montu Island went really, really well and there hasn't been any signs of kingfish until this week. We saw some huge kings fishing in the shallow waters of Bermagui and I'm talking right in the creek. Near the harbour there, in the creek, there was big, big kingfish swimming around there. I don't know if anyone actually targeted them and caught them. But there was a lot, big school of fish there, a lot of fish. And I don't know, it's pretty cool to see that many fish that were in a few feet of water. So that's really cool to see. Heading to WA, Kuji had a great run of salmon this week. Metal Lou is doing most of the work. Pilchard's doing really, really well also. Uh, just the normal salmon fishing off the beaches. Find the gutters and you'll catch fish. One exciting thing that has happened this week in WA is out of Perth, the fads have been launched. So the fads are now in the water, which is really exciting. Uh, They're going to hold fish. They're going to hold some really, really good fish for anglers to get out and catch. If you don't know what a fad is, it's a fish attraction device. Well, that's how I call it anyway. (laughs) Basically what it is, is it's just uh, different, different types of them, but... They're basically a method to attract bait fish, which attract bigger fish. So mahi-mahi, dolphin fish, they attract to it. Marlin will hold on them. Depends where they are around the country, but they'll do different different things in different waterways. And out of Perth there, you're going to have some really exciting fishing off them. South Australia. St Kilda is on fire on the whiting front with pretty much every boat getting their bag limit of fish, which is really good to see. Great eating fish, King George whiting. They don't go very far when you give the friends and family a couple. So if you do get onto them, Make sure you look after them, get some ice on them, get yourself a nice bag, take what you need, and then make sure you cry back and when you get home, if you're going to put them in the freezer, it makes a significant difference. Also, calamari, they've been going extremely good too. So basically, same grounds as the whiting out of St. Kilda. They're going really, really good. Spread right through the wee beds. Uh, jigs, make sure you're getting them down to the bottom. That's where the squid want to feed in that sort of, I guess... Oh, you want to be in that lower quarter of the water. So anything from uh, basically uh, size two and a half to three and a half jig, depending on the depth you're fishing down, the current. So current, so just it needs to be sinking nicely and holding that water, and you'll get a lot of calamari. Elston Jetty is producing some great calamari fishing also right now. Now, pier fishing, back to what I just said then, fishing for calamari, you need the jig sinking nicely through the water column, but you don't want it to be holding in the top water. You want it to get down deep to where the, where the squid live. So make sure you get your jigs right, especially fishing off piers. Doesn't matter where you are around the country, make sure that your jig is sinking nicely. There's plenty of kids right now along that jetty I just mentioned, Elston, and catching plenty of squid, which is fantastic to see. Tassie. 
The brim are on fire in the Derwent. Very, very brown, dirty water, but the brim are absolutely loving it. A big brim up to 40 to 45 centimetres. So make the soft plastic, sorry, are the ones that you want to be using. They're working really, really well. Some cranky crabs too, they're working good. They love the cranky crabs. To me, I don't know how they work, but they work really, really well. If you are a brim fisher, grab yourself a packet and use those. Squeaking Point has some huge trevally on offer right up to 50 centimetres. So a couple of kilo of trevally, that'll well and truly pull you, pull you right over. I guarantee you that. One of the, they, they fight, they're a dog of a fight. They get down, their head down, they really pulsate down. So they're a good fish to catch trevally. And when you get them 50 centimetres, you have your hands full. Chicken is a great bait for trevally. It works very, very good, and it's working very well at Squeaking Point, as well as pillies too. Pillies don't stay on real good, but I can guarantee a chicken does, so it works really well. Heading to Queensland, Sunshine Coast, Red Emperor to 10 kilo, well, not the Sunshine Coast, I'm calling it the Sunshine State, I should say. Red Emperor to 10 kilo off Bundaberg right now. Drifting micro jigs is the key. They have worked very, very well. You need to make sure they're down the bottom doing what they do. You need to have them flick them up and let them sink it. Yeah, action right, and they're working great. Bait is working too, but they are they're a great fish to catch. Beautiful to eat, and uh, I would be well and truly chasing them if you can get out there because. They're the Red Emperor. They're they're one of a kind. There's plenty of other fish fish that you'll get on the micro micro jigs as well. Burnett River has some great flatten offer right now. Some huge mangrove jack mixed in too. Working the rock walls in the Burnett is working a treat. Pillies, mullet, live mullet as well. And those mangrove jack, once again, they will also pull you around. They always pull up a hell of a fight too. And flatties get a great feed of those. And uh, you will not be complaining when you have a dinner that night. That was the whip around for Club Marine. And now it is time for the social club where we take your questions from social media. And I went through the archives again and I have found basically questions directed towards me because old Patrick isn't here as per usual lately. He's, uh, I don't know what his pay is, but he'd be getting paid more than me. So I'm going to probably take half of it. So (laughs) I think I deserve it. Tomo has asked the first question. Hi, Patty and Red. I love the show. Guys, can you fish for King George Whiting with lures and or plastics? If so, what do you recommend? Thanks, guys. Tomo, Kilnari, Victoria. Okay, mate. So you are Vic Base, so we won't go into sand whiting with poppers, etc. We'll stick to the King George like you did suggest. Now, I've caught plenty of King George whiting on soft plastics. Turtleback worms has by far been the best. Uh, the only drama is... I've never caught them on lures. The only drama is they're nowhere near for me as productive as what bait is. They just never are. Uh, you also go through... They are quite expensive, uh, turtleback worms. You're probably looking at, say, 12 to $15 a packet, maybe more at times. And say you get, give or take, maybe 8 to 12 in a packet. So usually every fish you catch, they get destroyed. For me, a squid strip is much cheaper and it works just as good. Uh, I've When I've used them, I fish a lot of tidal waters. I actually use the plastics on a sinker. So I'm basically bait fishing for them with a jig head at the end uh, on a Pat Noster rig. They do work really, really well, the the uh, the plastics, but I don't know. I, it's one of those things. I think I would much prefer using uh, bait over the plastics, and I hope that answered your question, uh, Tomo. The next question is from Tom. Hey, Red, can you please explain how you determine when your fish, uh, how to determine when your when you fish regarding wind and how you manage it in say, for example, fifteen to eighteen knots? Yeah, that's a really good question, Tom. Fishing in wind 
is something I do a hell of a lot of, but I do it right. In saying that, on Wednesday when I got those whiting, like I said at the start of the show, it's safe to say that I didn't even get close to doing it right. I went out on a slow tide. I had 15 to pretty much 18 knots of southwesterly with an ebb tide, and for me, that's wind against tide. Uh, every time the rain come through, I had squales of over 20 knots, and I didn't didn't like fishing for it because I was falling back off my anchor. I was sitting crap. I couldn't fish for whiting. I did get fish when I was sitting good, but every time stuff happened, for example, pulling off my anchor, drifting sideways, I had my shoot out. It's still didn't hold me enough with these crap tides on that moon that we've just had, that new moon that I always talk about with the slow water. So I didn't I do make mistakes here and there. That was a desperate, desperate mission to go. I thought it, I didn't know it was meant to rain. It was not meant to rain and of course it did rain. So we live in Victoria. How I determine where I'm fishing is the biggest one is wind, wet and tide in the same direction. Now, the reason for that is it allows you to fish comfortable. It stops the swing as such. You swing a little bit, but your lines are pulling straight. They're not pulling under the boat with the tide. When you've got wind against tide, you've got tide pulling you one way. For example, if I go out chasing the snapper in 15 knots of wind and I've got tide pulling back underneath me and my lines, I'm casting them out and they're all pulling underneath the boat, I'll be swinging like you wouldn't believe because the tide's trying to have a little bit of an effect on me plus the wind as well. So it doesn't work very well. What you want to do if you have wind and tide favoring one way is to bridle. So say it's coming on the side of your boat. That is fishable, but you just need to bridle up. So I've spoken about it many times on the show. Uh, it's actually in my tip at the end of the week, at the end of the show here today. So I'll talk a little bit more about bridling there. But bridling is crucial. It catches you a lot more fish. Uh, and fishing basically, you can fish up to 15, 20 knots, no worries, in tidal water. So fishing in tidal water off Queenscliff for whiting, if I have a 15 to 20 knot wind behind the back of me and the tide's coming in and I'm sitting perfect, I can fish very comfortably in those conditions. Very, very comfortably. So what I want to do is target the wind and tide together as much as possible. Don't fish wind against tide and basically just fish to your own fish to your own expertise. So don't go out if it's going to be 20 knots and you're not comfortable and you're in a small tinny and you're, you're going to fish in the middle of nowhere. Fishing banks and edges where the tide runs is crucial to keep it on the calmer side. All right, last question. We've got time for one more. Uh, Carly, I noticed you're using straight hooks instead of circles for snapper this year. Straight up, why? Yeah, I have been. I've been using, I've always been a circle man for snapper. I have. Until last year, I changed to uh, to straights. Now, the reason for it is I just felt like I was losing fish on circles. I don't know if it was a mental game or whatnot. I changed to straights and for some reason in my head, it, it, it just seemed to have worked a bit better. And I think the reason behind it is fishing deeper water. So I was fishing 24, 25 meters when it first started happening in the ocean and I was fishing unweighted and I was finding with the straights, they were running off with the drag was pulling out, but they were dropping them. The hooks weren't setting. Uh, sorry, with circles, the hooks weren't setting. So I changed to straights and I had better luck letting them run and then striking them. Where in the, traditionally in the bay, you fish that 12 to sort of, or 8 to sort of 18 metres and I was getting away with the circles. But last year I fished more 15 to 22 and I was finding the same thing happening. Well, I think I was. It was meant to, might have been a mental game of me not fishing properly, but I changed to straights and it worked well. Will circles work the same as straights for me? Uh, yeah, probably they do. Uh, will I change back to circles? There's a very good chance I have a bad 
couple of days on straights, and it could be just the day. The way the fish are feeding, the barometer's low, they're picking up your baits, they're running, they're dropping them. So it's not specifically, I am blaming the hook because I need someone to blame, but it's it's definitely a personal preference. If I'm releasing fish, I'll definitely use circles. And I use circles for a lot of things, like gummies and entire for snapper. I use them all the time. They work well. I was just finding with unweighted baits, uh, fishing deeper water, I wasn't getting the hook penetration that I wanted with the circles. I don't know why, and that's the reason that I changed to uh, I changed to straights. I hope that answered all your questions. If you do have a question for Patrick and I, make sure you do send them into our Real Adventures show via our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email, whatever you want to do. Pat and I also have our socials. Uh, make sure you do send them through and we'll do our best to answer the questions. Just don't make them hard ones and I'll do my best to answer. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy at clubmarine.com.au. We'll see you after the break. Red's Review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. clubmarine.com.au and we have a very special guest today, none other than former, can't, can't really say current, because he's, he's thrown up the boots, Jimmy Patterson, fast bowler, joins us to talk all things about his new boat. Morning, Jim. How are you, mate? How's things? Going very well, mate. Thank you for joining us today to talk all things fishing and your new boat. It's a massive hobby of yours, and you've obviously been busy over your whole life, I should say, playing cricket all around the world, and you haven't had a lot of time spare, let's be honest, and a couple of injuries on the way, you've done it a little bit tough, but you've played some fantastic cricket, but you thought this year, righto, enough's enough, I'm hanging up the boots, and I'm having a real crack at fishing, and you've bought an absolute beautiful boat, mate. Tell us what you've bought, take us through a little bit why, it's uh, pretty exciting. Yeah, that's right. Um, I suppose I've been playing cricket since I was sort of... um 16 professionally and um, I sort of always, my plan was to buy a nice boat when I retired and uh, make make the, the most of it, I suppose, when, like you said, once I was, you know, playing cricket, there was not a lot of time to, to go fishing and stuff like that, so um, I always thought that when I retire, I'd, I'd get a nice boat, so um, my wife probably wasn't too happy with it, but <laughs> she saw the price tag of it, but um, you know, I bought a, um, a 10 and a half metre um, Genoa Cap Camerat, so um, I suppose the biggest reason why I bought it was because it sort of offers everything. There's a family cruiser in there to take the family. I've got two young kids, um, and also I like my fishing. So, um, to be honest, I had a, had a good look and I did my research, and and that was the the one that I found. So, it's pretty excited. I took delivery of it last week, and um, uh, fair to say there was a, a few people at the Brighton Yacht Club who were. So we're getting a, um, a few laughs at me trying to park a thing. <laughs> well, that, well, that's a that's a big thing, and it is, boats are very intimidating. It's it's probably one of the most uh, like even I sometimes in front of people get a bit funny, and I do it every single day in and day out. How are you going driving it? Because a ten and a half meter boat, it's a lot of boat. Yeah, there it is a lot of boat. I think the beam on it is about three point three meters as well. So yeah, uh, I rocked up at Brighton Brighton Yacht Club. I had a ten meter berth there, and. Um, there was a, the boat next to me, and I, I, I was looking at it thinking, I'm not sure there's three and a half metres there, how I'm going to get this in. But um, I, was, I was lucky enough, Rob from JV Marine come out with me. Um, so we spent the day, and because it's twin engines, it's quite. Um, I'm actually lucky enough to have a bow thrust at the front as well. So, um, you know, twin engines as well. So pretty much didn't touch the steering wheel. I was just sort of trying to trying to navigate it with that. And 
after about sort of 10 or 15 goes, I sort of got it in there. There was a little bit of a, um, a westerly wind blowing across me as well. So as you can imagine, with a boat like that, <laughs> it's not hard to, to, to catch the wind. So, uh, oh, look, it's come along pretty well. I'm actually waiting for the weather to turn at the moment so I can try and get out tomorrow. It's been pretty horrendous. I just went out there on Saturday to make sure that it hadn't blown away. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a few people have done that, especially on those moorings down at Sreno with those big northerlies. They've gone down and checked their boaters and washed up on the beach. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's, that's the next thing. If I've got a swing mooring down at Blairgarry, <laughs> yep. one morning I come and it's just uh, it's beach, so I'll see. Hopefully not. Make sure you uh, use Club Marine to get your to get your insurance. <laughs> get your insurance, Jim. <laughs> now it's uh, it's uh, one thing that you do need on these uh, on these boats. Uh, engines and having having a big boat, ten and a half meters. What do you put on the back of this? Yeah, um, I've got twin three hundreds uh, V eight Mercury, so um, yeah, pretty powerful. The thing goes pretty well. It, uh, I suppose I'm trying to just run it at the moment, but knowing me, I like to do things hundred <laughs> percent. I try to give it a bit of a squirt the other day, and it, and it goes pretty well. I think it's up to sort of around that um, seventy seventy five kilometer mark. Um, so it does get going, um, and it planes really quickly. So um, it's nice, nice little feature of the V8 too. You can put it in a sport mode, so it's got a bit more, uh, bit more grunt in there, and, and sounds nice too. What now? You've, it's obviously a lot of money investing in a boat. Now this is a dumb question. You plan on using it? You really do, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I um, <laughs> as much as I can. I know I had a, I've had a hame hunter um, with a, with a mate of mine for a little while, and. Um, I've probably used that three times. Um, so my wife's like, what a waste of money. What are you getting yeah. a boat for? <laughs> and now that I'm trying to go out, she's like, oh, you're going fishing too much. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't really win there. But um, no, nah, hopefully, I, I, that's the reason why I got a, a bigger boat for the family. So um, to accommodate them, obviously, the young the young kids feel pretty safe on it. And, um, you know, there's a little um, few beds in there. So uh, while I'm fishing, the, the girls can go down there and even watch a bit of TV. So... Um, I try to accommodate for the whole family, so that means I can get out and fish more. I obviously talked to you a little bit on the phone regarding fishing and boating and, and travelling and whatnot, and I know you spend a little bit of time up north, uh, sort of that Noosa region. You're one of those people that sits in cafes with their circle glasses and flat, <laughs> and, and flat hat on tipping, but it's uh, having a little latte. Uh, but it's <laughs> you got this big thing, and you've got the couple of things that we've spoken about is getting it up to Noosa. What are you are you considering maybe trailering it at all, or would you consider driving it up there, or what would you do? Um, oh, I don't know. It was a bit of a discussion last night with my wife, but I think it's probably best to um, to get it transported up there. I think um, I did mention that I'd probably need to buy a ram a ram car, yep. <laughs> a big ute and a, and a trailer to get it up there. So it's probably not not worth it. But um, oh, I'd love to get it up there. I think um, I've spent a bit of time at the Whit Sundays as well, so. It's lovely to, to get up there at some stage and um, do some fishing up there and just get around there. You know, obviously the, the scenery up there, the, the beaches, the Whitehaven Beach and stuff like that just suits, um, you know, a boat like that, um, you know, it really does. What about fishing-wise, Jim? What do you like doing? Um, oh, I like doing everything, really. Um, you know, obviously you like getting offshore. Um, you know, I'd really like to do a trip to, to King Island in this boat, um, hopefully next year. Um, we'll be doing that. That'll be fantastic. That would be fantastic if we could do that. Um, oh, just anything, really. I just love being out on the water. I think for me, you know, playing cricket and my whole life, it's, you know, one of those things, just getting out on the water, uh, whether that's offshore, you know, chasing 
tuna or, you know, around Cape Shank. I, I went there with Cameron White a fair bit, chasing some kingfish around there. Um, and I think the, first, the biggest thing I've seen is that just the, the fisheries in, in Melbourne offshore, you know, you've got the tuna coming through now and all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, since I first started fishing as a sort of 15-year-old guy, I was, you know, in Westerport catching elephant fish. So, um, you know, I've progressed now to, to getting offshore and, and all that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, I think it's just that the fact that there's so many different species you can go out. You know, the other day I went out and was on the squid and, and the um, the whiting and, and then obviously you can move on to the snapper or a gummy shark and, and not just that, but you catch great bait fish as well. You know, you get the salmon, those you buy catch and all that sort of thing. So it's just a great fishery at the moment. One more question because I can hear the young the young girl in the background wants her breakfast and you are and you, and you need to go get it for her. Are you are you are you missing cricket? Are you, like it's it's a pretty broad question, but are you missing it? Um, oh, not 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 now that I've got a decent boat, I can go out of it. Um, <laughs> No, oh, look, it, it, it's one of those things. Everything has has an expiry, and um, you know, I had a good crack at it. Obviously, injury set me back a little bit, and I probably, you know, could have played a bit more for Australia. But you know, I'm I'm pretty happy that I you know got to represent um, Australia. You know, probably I think it's over forty times, fifty times. So um, taking a hundred wickets for them, and, and obviously having a really good um, first class career, domestic career, getting to travel the world. So. You know, I like to look on the positives rather than the negatives. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really looking looking forward to the next chapter with my family. Um, you know, moving into to getting out on the water a bit more and um, spending a bit more time with you, Red, which is uh, which is exciting. Oh, I don't know about it. It's exciting. It's uh, not, not many people <laughs> say that about me. Uh, just a little finance, bit of finance advice if you're if you're after it. There's a thing in India that's called. IPL, if you've heard of it, and uh, if you want to put your name in there, you might sneak in there and get a bit of money, and you might be able to buy up a buy a boat up in Noosa if you do a season up there. And not, not, just, I can be your financial advisor if you need it, Jim. But uh, That's right. I'll, get you, I'll get you as my manager, mate. You can put me in the draft for me. Well, I run at thirty five percent, so that's not too bad for me. I don't think they, they, I don't think they want an overweight slow bowler anymore. I'm not that big. <laughs> Jim Patterson, mate, you've done very well. It's a beautiful boat that you've purchased, and I know you will be using it this summer. You and I are going to head to King Island and have a bit of fun there. Hopefully, end of January. I've got to run that through the misses, and uh, I've got, hopefully got a new truck coming then, which I haven't announced yet. Should be about January too, which I'll announce next or next week's show. Jimmy Patterson, former Aussie cricketer, now full time fisherman. Thank you, mate, for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. No worries. Thanks, Hamish. Cheers, mate. You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one place at clubmarine.com.au. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you after the break. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Get flexible cover for your jet ski, boat, motor, trailer and gear all in one policy. clubmarine.com.au You're listening to Real Adventures for Club Marine. Get peace of mind with Club Marine Boat Insurance. Welcome back to Real Adventures, and we are coming very fast to the end of the show, as per usual. Of course, we'll be back next week. Pat is back tomorrow from Norfolk Island. I know I promised you last week he'd be back on the show. Well, he was. He was at the start of the show, and I've had to finish it off myself. But more importantly, he will be back uh, I might take a month off like he has. No, I'll be back too. Uh, there's plenty to talk about, uh, so make sure you tune in to next week's show, Real Adventures. We'll be back as per usual. It is now time for Red's tip, and I mentioned it at the start of the show that I wanted to talk... Well, not the start of the show, just before, actually. I mentioned it about bridling. It is something that catches... Uh, 
basically me a lot more fish. It's pretty simple to say. Uh, it's it's a tremendous way to, I guess, favor favor yourself on the day so you don't get as frustrated. You stop swinging and your lines sit a hell of a lot better. Now, I'm very surprised for the amount of people that don't know what bridling is. So, I don't mean to be rude to you here, but I'm going to dumb it, dumb it down as much as I possibly can in a few minutes. Now, what it basically is, is the way that you set your boat up to allow yourself to fish in comfort. Now, you can get them from BCF, tackle saws, you can probably make your own. And what you're basically doing is creating a triangle in the water with your anchor rope and another rope. So, for instance, say I mark the fish up behind the back of the boat and we're going snapper fishing. What I will do is I will then allow, I guess, the angle that I'm going to sit on, so because the bridle is going to pull you around, and I want my lines to be where the fish are. So I'm going to drop the anchor, fall back on the anchor, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up to the front of the in front of the hatch of the boat. I'm going to clip my bridle on. It's just a clip that goes on the outside of your boat, so out past your bowsprit, hooks on. You then may let, for instance, six or seven metres, walk back down to your boat, make sure the rope's going on the outside of your boat, like I said, walk back into your boat, hit down on the anchor, send it down, say, six, seven metres, five, six, seven metres, depending on the size of your boat. Let it down. Now, with that rope that you've passed down to your mate at the back, the one that goes outside of your boat that I mentioned a couple of times, make sure you hold that and tie it to the back cleat of your boat. Now, you can create an angle by letting your anchor rope out or in, preferably out, and then pulling that rope that is attached to your anchor, the back around, and actually pull the boat and sit side on to the water, to the chop, or to the wind, I should say, and favour the way that the tidal water is going. Now, there's all t- I know there's minimal tide throughout Port Phillip Bay, instance, and wherever you fish in the ocean, there's minimal tide, but there's enough to affect your lines, especially if you're fishing unweighted. Now, I... The biggest thing, sorry, is I'll go back a step, is it stops the swing as well. So it stops you from going back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. It holds you in position and you only swing on a small angle or small degree, I should say. You only swing and it cuts it out, I reckon, 60 to 80%. Like it's a massive, massive help. Now, you've got to be careful here because anchoring on your fish, it can be tricky with the angles that you've got to create. You've actually got to, it might take you two or three goes to get it right. So make sure you do get it right because don't just anchor and go, oh, the fish is 60 metres that way behind us. We've stuffed it up. I'd pull the anchor up and go again, 100%. I'd go again. The bridling works well. You, I reckon they're about $20 from BCF maybe. So they're only cheap. Now, another thing you've got to be very, very mindful with is you've got to be mindful that uh, you've... You, the wind. So I always say be careful when you're fishing in rougher conditions. But if you once you bridle up, you side onto the chop. If you're on a small boat, you can take on water, you can cop splashing, and for instance, because you're side on to the chop, it's just it gets a hell of a lot rockier. It does. So I wouldn't be doing this in 20 knot winds, for instance, if you're in a smaller boat, because you're just going to sit side on, very uncomfortable. You rock a hell of a lot. Just make sure you do 20 knot winds, you're probably not going to be out there anyway. If you've got like a nice 5 to 10 knot breeze, it's just annoying you a little bit. That's when I'd do it. I, I do it in the rough here and there because I have to. It's work. And if you're out there too, give it a go in the rough because it's work. But make sure you do it to your own expertise, please, and just get it right. It will catch you more fish. Your lines will still have a lot better. You'll stop swinging. And it is one thing that I strongly recommend if you are heading out there to uh, chase snapper or anything in the ocean, for instance, right around this country where there's lack of tide to hold your boat still. That's when I'd be doing it. It is now time for the flying gaff. 
And it's a pretty cool gaff this week. A British angler catches world's largest goldfish. It weighs an excess of 30 kilo. And uh, it took 25 minutes to get in. A 42-year-old Hackett who managed to reel in this fish after 25 minutes was very chuffed. I always knew the carrot was in there, but I never thought I would catch it. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they knew that it was there. The goldfish can grow very big. I've actually got some in my son's fish tank right now that uh, aren't far off that size either. They've bloody grown that big. But, yeah, the gaff's going that way for targeting a goldfish that was excess of 30 kilos to Andy Hackett, who fished the French lake. <laughs> so he reckons that uh, there was uh, 100, 100, bites, 100 fish bites he's had in that lake to catch that fish. I don't know how he's worked that out. But he has. So anyway, the gaff's going that way. Dangerfield is back next week for Real Adventures. So make sure you tune in. We love having you join into the show and on our podcast every Saturday morning and whenever you listen to it. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Club Marine. And we'll see you guys next week. Cheers.